definitely say, okay, I have a platform, but and I get how you use your platform. I'm not saying you're doing it mm -hmm. right or right, mm -hmm. but you actually have finances that can change so many communities. Yeah, yeah. But you have twelve Bugattis. <laughs> See if I can share some ideas. Likewise, same here. Honored to be here. Thanks for joining or having us give you a part. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I guess we could just start off with like um, just introducing yourselves, telling a little bit about your organization and how you got started. Sure. All right. So I'm Keisha Dennis. I'm the founder and CEO of the Elephant in the Room Inc. It's actually a mental health uh, nonprofit. Uh, we've been around since 2017 and our goal is pretty much to erase the stigma that's associated with mental health, try to get people to talk about mental health. Um, I honestly personally feel like the more that people discuss the topic, um, the easier it is for the stigma to you know, be eradicated. And um, the organization that was started, a lot of people ask me like, are you a psychologist or a therapist or something? And I'm like, no, however, I'm human. So um, it was basically just based on um, personal interest in the topic. I suffered from anxiety as a teenager, and it was something that we really didn't talk about back then, especially not in the African American community. So um, as years went on, I knew that this was something that I really wanted to do. So um, I went ahead and jumped out there, and I'm very, very glad that I did because I've never been happier to really help um, really help people and keep those conversations going. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Noah, what about you? So, Noah Brown, founder of No Grow. Uh, I didn't know a name. I was trying to look for something as far as in the age group. You hear YOLO and think Google, Yahoo, Fubu, like all these different kind of quick hitters. Mm -hmm. And so I just took a couple of letters out of my name. My name is Noah Brown. So I just took a couple of letters out so hopefully it'll be easy to remember. And what it was is, is that in my journey, I was a professional athlete before I got into my second half, second half of life and career. Mm -hmm. And it was a situation for people to come from certain communities. Is it excuses or exposure? And that's probably that fork in the road that is the the time everyone's going to come to where are we making excuses or we making or the fact that we just don't have exposure to it. And so I said, okay, how can I expose a lot of individuals that were very similar to what I, I, my upbringing? Mm -hmm. How can I expose them to that and get them to want to come out and be a part of it? And because of my background in basketball, as I said, if I told them I was just going to teach life skills, financial literacy, all this term insurance, different types of life insurance policies, yeah. it's going to be boring. But if I put the basketball with it and say, hey, here's our morning sessions, we're going to train, I'm going to, I'm going to help throughout with the staff that I have, mm -hmm. develop you into a professional athlete, to whatever level is going to be based on your talent, I'll do my best to try to get you contracts because of my relationships. It's only on the one condition. Well, more than one, but here's the primary one, is that you have to come to class at night and you have to learn these things so when this ball stops bouncing, yeah. 
whether it's one year, five years, ten years, you'll now at least have some exposure to try to eliminate that excuse in hopes that I can change the trajectory of your life when the basketball is finished. So that's kind of how it just literally came to fruition. I wish someone had it whenever I was around. And so I was like, well, let me just go ahead and pay it to the next group to come through. It's kind of, this happened organically like that. Since we're all on the topic of what's next in the world, and we're at close to the end of the year, I thought it'd be kind of fun to go around and ask you guys, what was your favorite moment of 2020? I'm always leaning towards the late. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm just thinking, favorite moment of 2020? <sighs> I know, it's tough. Gosh, so moment, moment in, as in society or moment for yourself, personally? Um, let's do both. How about that? Okay. I don't know. 2020 was so interesting. Um, I'll be honest and say this. I do feel like, yes, 2020 may have been not the normal year that we experienced, but I do feel like, in my opinion, it gave people a chance to sit down and kind of really think about who they really are as a person and really got a chance to figure themselves out or work on themselves personally or um, connect with someone that you haven't connected with because you've been so consumed and so busy in life. Um, it got people thinking outside of the box. I think I've a lot of people that I know that wanted to start that business or wanted to do this venture, I think 2020 they started so many. So I'm really, I think that was pretty dope this year. Um, and although I'm really sad about not traveling, <laughs> I do feel like black people, I feel like under, I know the circumstances were really bad, but I feel like Black people really came together this year. Yeah. I think they came together. Um, they focused on the bigger picture, and I think they had a chance to like form a plan. Yeah. So I think I, I did get that much for it. Yeah. It took a long time too. A long time. And I think honestly, like I said, if people were busy and working and stuff, they would have been too busy to actually really do something or, you know, really get out there and and be impactful in all these other ways. So I think, you know, everything was aligned the way it was supposed to be. I think me on the feedback, and why I 100% agree, uh, more on a personal side was I have been fortunate that I have a, a good handful of friends that are in the medical space. And I'm not a military guy, I don't come from a military family, so I haven't been exposed to that type of warfare where people are on the front line in some life and death situation. And so, to kind of watch them, not from afar, but right up close when kind of everything hit, with the hospitals getting just so full, yeah. and realizing these are human beings that, although they have a family, kids, and all that stuff, mm -hmm. They have to really go every day in hopes that when they come home, because this is unknown what's going on, that they don't bring something back to a house mm -hmm. that can impact family members, whether it's parents or cousins, nieces, nephews, children. 
because it was so unknown. So I would say from that, it was, it was a moment to be able to have a lot more understanding and respect for the medical field mm -hmm. and realizing those that signed up for that from a perspective of going to school and studying and passing exams, there was probably no protocols for this. But to see the ones that were able to survive that as keep moving on and every day and putting themselves at risk, friends coming home and having to take you know, all their clothes off when they come in the house, get sprayed down by a water hose, and have to turn around the next day and go do that again and have supportive wives or supportive husbands. I just think that was, that was an impactful moment to just watch on a, on a smaller scale, yeah. but realize that that was a global situation, yeah. even though I may not know doctors in France or doctors in England, but I got to see that from New York, from Michigan, to here in Georgia, mm -hmm. to see my friends that were doing that, realizing that that was 10, 15, 20 fold all throughout the world mm -hmm. of these individuals putting their life on the line yeah. for us, so to speak. Yeah, because it's like, this was a moment that everybody in the world was literally going through the same it wasn't like this country's going through this or right. that country. We're all feeling this awkward stage that we've never experienced. So everybody's just like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I think people did have a new appreciation for people in the medical field. Right. You never realize like, wow, they really are like mm -hmm. lifesavers, literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People in the food industry, these sanitation workers, like mm -hmm. it, they all put their lives on the line for us. So. Yeah. And there was no working from home for them. No, no, no. They were on the front they were And not only are you going, like you're putting in, they said 12 hours, 13 hour days. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of my friends, they were coming in, leaving at six, coming in, and just staying yeah. off the clock yeah. as human beings, just because it was the right thing to do to you with your staff. That it, it, it puts, it humbles me. How did you guys, how do you guys feel about this whole movement of? Black on black, like black owning business supporting blacks. Yeah, I mean for me, I think prior to this whole movement thing, um, I was aware of black owned businesses, mm -hmm. and so you know, I don't put a huge emphasis on it, and I try yeah. to support black owned businesses. Um, I, I support whatever is I guess conducive to my lifestyle. Yeah. And I'm big on customer service. I'm big on um, customer satisfaction, re service recovery. And so I definitely support it in any way possible. But for me, I don't think I'm just, I'm just really like hopping on this wave. And I, I do know that much. This <laughs> friend of mine texted me yesterday. It was like, um, when we were having wine, and I was, I was drinking uh, this bottle of wine. And then she's like, oh, well, do you know? Um, a friend of mine sent me a list of 17 black on lines. And I was just like, okay, you know, I'll try this out. <laughs> you know? But I'm still going to drink this wine right here. <laughs> but um, the next time I do go to the store, I will try it out. And if it's a brand that I genuinely really do like, I will definitely support the brand. Yeah. You know, I'm all for supporting black people. Yes, um, so I'm going to take you guys back. Um, growing up, did you ever feel like you got a lot of support from your community? Because there's always that stigma of why aren't black people supporting each other and why are we bashing each other? So, what is your take on that? Do you feel like you were growing up in a very supportive community where 
able to dream, you know? Um, honestly, the way that I was raised and grew up, I didn't, I didn't have that issue or anything. Yeah. Like, my family was supportive. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, they sold me a dream, to be real. Yeah. I thought that once I went to school and I got out of school, I was going to be rich. <laughs> and all this stuff was just going to naturally come. Yeah. But, um, I mean, they painted a great picture. And this is, you know, I can only just speak from my family. Um, but it, I have really, really great friends and people that are around me now. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with great supporters. Um, people have always been helpful. And when I say, you know, a lot of people question whether or not, like, oh, well, you know, my friends, they may not support me, they're not doing this, but to me, I look at support in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Someone may not be able to buy your t-shirts that you're selling, however, they're reposting and sharing and referring it to other people. That's a level of support for me, and somebody may not be able to buy your lipstick brand, however, that other friend of yours is going to be at your house helping you do the packaging, helping you come up with marketing materials. Yes. To me, that is also support. So I look at support in many different ways, and I can honestly and truly say that everyone that's around me and the, the way that I grew up, people have always supported. I think, so mine's going to be a lot more complex yeah. uh, due to the fact that I'm from a mixed race environment, mm -hmm. right? So not even just in my household, but in the community I was raised in, if you were of one race, I mean, obviously you were part of the human race, but if you were of one uh, race, then you were the anomaly. So I went to school with people that were half Venezuelan, so half Mexican, half Filipino, half black, half black, half white, all these different things. And in my case, my mother was French and Argentinian and Mexican, and my dad is black. Okay. So when you grow up in those environments, you really don't fit in one way or the other. Because at that time in the 80s and early 90s, especially in the South, I mean, everything was black and white, mm -hmm. right? So I wasn't black enough to be black from their perspective. I spoke a certain way, all these cliches that you get, yeah. certain hair texture, you know, all that kind of stuff that gets kind of passed down through generations. Mm -hmm. But my shade tone was dark enough that if I was in a different crowd, but yeah. you know I'm not. It's <laughs> yeah. The questions are going to come yeah. eventually as well. So, as far as family support, it's always been there. Yeah. As far as trying to find the pockets of life that you kind of sort of feel connected to, yeah. just from grassroots up, mm -hmm. that's, I think if you sit and talk with a lot of people that have upbringings that are similar as far as just a couple races in the household, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I will say this in a very, in a lot of just love, yeah, yeah. I've had more challenges in my own black community than I have in, in any other communities of being accepted. I actually heard that before. Oh, from yeah. another one of my friends who yeah. literally the same exact thing. Right? Yeah. So as far as finding the identity, the identity was always from my just foundation and fundamentals. Yeah. So whether I'm in... England or China or North Carolina or Georgia, I'm going to be who I am. Now I'm going to, things would change as far as I'll develop and add additional things to my life through experiences, yeah. but it's not going to change the core of, of who I am as an individual. Yeah. Like that's already in me. Yeah. The more people you hang out with, whether it's countries, cities, states, 
Yeah. You're, you're always going to learn. People are always influencing each other. Yeah. And so if you expose, I mean, just if you take the internet, right? If mm -hmm. you're on social media and you click on similar things all the time, it's going to echo those exact same things to you. And so you're not really exposing yourself, even though you have all this information you can expose yourself to, but you're only clicking on these particular yeah. sectors. Yeah. You're only getting that same information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have all these opportunities to go click on a whole different industry, a whole different yeah. sector, a whole different information, <laughs> yeah. and that will bring you now so it's many things that will add to you who you are. Yeah. It's just a matter of your intentional with that or not. It's a lot easier now than what it was. You don't have to go to Europe to start figuring out how to dress or yeah. what your styles <laughs> are. Yeah, you just go right. Fingertips. Yeah. Fingertips. And I think it's the same way with the people that you associate yourself yeah. with, like mm -hmm. your circles. Like, right. okay. Um, for me, I don't like to be a smart person in my sector. I want to be able to learn and grow from someone. And I like to connect with other people in different states, see how they do things, and get ideas, and be able to bounce things off each other, and you know, make some great connections, and learning a lot from someone of a different, you know, culture. So, I mean, even when I go out of town and I travel, I am not going to a lot of the tourist areas. I want the local food. I want the local atmosphere. Like, take me there. You know, sometimes I'm like, are you really going to go there? Yes. <laughs> so, it's... That's a gift. So, we, so, when I go to Europe, we've done, when I do my camps, we'll take some time to do USA Select, 25, 40 young men over from the ages of like 21 to 26. Mm -hmm. Right? Here they are in Norway or London or any of these places, and they're looking for a Nike outlet in McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no. and, 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 think about how laughable that is, but yeah. the thing is they don't know. Yeah, you're not them, to. yeah and you sit them down and you say, listen, you just travel all the way across a pond. To be in London and have the fish and chips that you read about or yeah. hear about in a movie, and you're choosing McDonald's, mm -hmm. the Nike outlet. I get it. Nike's global, but go visit some stores that you may not ever walk into. There's a local in person here that created something from ground up and just kind of go back home with something new. Oh yeah. But when you do open yourself up, it's kind of like the old saying: "Your mind is like a parachute; it only works when it's open." You do it. And then all of a sudden, it's like you get that bug, and you can't stop exploring. The there you go. Different avenues. You become very inquisitive. Okay. When was the earliest you learned about financial? Uh, for me, I'm not gonna say that I learned it at a really young age. However, I do remember my dad always kind of saying, "Make sure you have money in the bank." And I say it all the time, even to my brother now. Sometimes my joke is, "Hey." <laughs> he said all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he like um, opened his bank accounts when we were younger. My mom opened his bank accounts. Um, we had like little allowances, and he taught us, like, you know, certain things to do with the money. But as far as like deep financial and budgeting, mm -hmm. um, I probably didn't learn that until. I moved out of my own and pay bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be honest, like it wasn't something that we learned in school. It mm -hmm. wasn't something that we talked about amongst our friends. Yeah. Um, the same way I always feel like financial literacy and mental health, I feel like those are topics in schools that definitely just need more attention than me learning about 
kudos because I probably haven't used it that much, but some life skills and with financial literacy being one, of course. I mean, so same with the there was a topic in the household. Yeah. Um, money was scarce, right? So it was one of those things where you just try to figure out how to get through the month. Forget about retirement accounts and having those discussions and social security and things mm -hmm. like that. It's where you really understood the language and understood the, the system yeah. that is in play to be able to participate. Because mm -hmm. you have to know the system to participate in the language, right? Mm -hmm. Or you just kind of float. <laughs> yeah. And for me, played basketball, did very well financially. And I remember finally getting on a team where you had the guys who were four or five years older than me. Where I'm like, okay, let me pick their brain and hey, I'm making this kind of money, what, what should I do? And it was always either cars or rims, you know, just things that I just know, I knew, without knowing, that's, that can't be what I'm putting my legs through to do, right? And so I ended up meeting a guy at 29, 30 years old, real sharp guy, uh, thought he was a coach of some sort, but the way he was talking and the way he moved, you could just tell he was very successful. And from successful from a lot of perspectives. He had the wife, the kids, the house. The car was nice, clean, but he didn't care about the money. Like, so it was a different movement. Mm -hmm. And I remember I couldn't shake him for about six or seven months out of my mind. I called him back one day and I asked him how to come hang out with him. I hung out with him for four days. He told me to come up and hang out for four days. I had 10 contracts at the time to get ready to go play. Yeah. And those four days, this day, he and I worked together. That was eight and a half years ago. So I was 31 and I sat in his office and I don't know if you've seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness, but I did exactly what Will Smith did. That's my actual career is I work in the financial markets, mm -hmm. obviously remotely trading and stuff on, with the uh, stock exchange and ETFs and stuff like that, but it was through him. He ended up teaching me. I wanted to know before I left. And in return, I'm like, man, I need to learn this information not just for me, but then better pass it down and better help people. And then I realized, like, man, if I get licensed and qualified, mm -hmm. I could make a living being able to really educate and edu try to really be intentional of uh, educating you know, my communities. They may not be able to sit down with someone at these big mega house firms where they might not have the liquidity to open those accounts. But it's the information that they might not even be able to make a significant impact in the life of someone that's 65, right? Because all their earning years are finished, but they can mm -hmm. pass that down to their next generation, yeah. to the next generation, to the next generation. Or even if it's just for them to save a buck or two, that's still a bit beneficial for someone in that age bracket uh, if they don't really live in high needs life, so to speak. She just walked in, um, and hi, thank you for coming. Love that you're here with us today. Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on? Definitely. So uh, my name is uh, Chidiaver Kalu, and I am the head of product at Greenwood. Uh, so Greenwood is a bank that is geared towards the Black and Latinx community. Nice. Uh, so before I got my start at Greenwood, uh, I co-founded and led the technology vertical. Uh, for a startup by the name of Look Live. So what we did was we tagged and identified what your favorite celebrity and influencer was wearing, then we showed you where to find it. 
Um, if you couldn't afford the actual item, we gave it more affordable options, right? Um, so grew that to like a million users a month. Uh, we went to Y Combinator, uh, so that was really exciting. Did that for about four and a half, five years. Okay. Um, and then recently transitioned to Greenwood. Um, and Greenwood's exciting, right? You know, um, our founders, uh, Pat, uh, Ambassador Young, Killer Mike, Ryan Glover, right? They're doing, uh, they came together with this amazing idea, something that we all need, right? Because uh, banking within our communities has, there's been friction there because it was never truly built for us, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so now we've launched Greenwood, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we've launched the idea of Greenwood and then inside of a week we were able to grow to about 100K. Uh, and now we're marching towards 250k, so really exciting, uh, and I'm just really happy to be here and share what I know. So. Oh, nice. Love it. Love Thank it. you. Thank you. Okay, so you know 2020's been crazy, right? Yes. So we asked everybody what their favorite black moment was of 2020. Black moment? Yeah. Man, I gotta think about that. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, everybody waking up to the fact that therapy's good for that was 2020. Yeah. It was it was it was a big case of therapy yeah. for everybody. Um, and, and finally, we're ripping off like the curse of like oh it's taboo to go to a therapist or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I've seen more and more brothers like my friends and my, even myself go to therapy. Okay. So, yes, yeah. the therapy. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and plants. Everybody's been on that plant wave. Yes. Yo, I was planting with my mom. <laughs> my mom too. And I take them out to get their sun yes. and water. I'm like, dang. Yes, I'm a plant mom. Therapeutic. Therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, um, back to financial literacy. We were talking on that subject. Um, Chidi, have you, uh, were you exposed to a lot of financial literacy growing up and when was your first mm. like taste of <laughs> financial literacy for me was uh my parents like you're like mom like i saved up money i'm about to go buy this yeah. and she said and who told you why that was a whole bunch of like what my literacy was yeah. you know like save your money so you can go spend it on school <laughs> um, and nothing else so even in school, like we didn't really get financial literacy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just had enough money to get what you needed to get and you keep pushing and figure out the rest later, right? Yeah. Um, but no, we didn't, I didn't really see any financial literacy. I mean, even up until like my collegiate years, I still didn't really hear about financial literacy. So it's kind of funny that I'm in finance now, um, but it's actually good because like I'm one of, I'm a product of like our generation that didn't receive Right, and, yeah. and now I know the things I need yeah. um, that other pro people probably need as well. So yeah, yeah, that's good because then you can pass it on to everybody. I feel like I'm at a point because I'm 25 right now. Okay, and I'm just now getting to that point where I'm just welcome like, to the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay, I actually need to save my money. Like it's just not for you know generational wealth, but it's also just to live. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like for like needs, like say your car breaks down tomorrow. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm just an example. That's real, no. And, and then you have to start adding the layers to it where it, you have that sector of saving money, but now how you turn a dollar into two, two, exactly. 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 Like yeah. You have to just keep yeah. getting on where now you have to learn how to create kids and grandkids out of money. Yeah. And that's the phase that yeah. really 
People are really you gotta good. lock in on you gotta lock in. Right, yeah. right, right. People are really good at it too. And yeah. It's just mind blowing to see how advanced like you can get with your literacy. You know, I think when it comes to financial literacy, like what's most important is aligning yourself with somebody that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't get me wrong, you can read a book, figure it out for yourself. But we live in a world where people are so accessible, right? Yes. The most accessible yes. application is what, Clubhouse? Right, like you can literally be right next to what, who Joe Budden or whomever in, in that space. Um, so I think aligning yourself with a mentor to, to learn like those core competencies in yeah. order to, like you say, turn that two dollars into four, four to eight. Right, mm-hmm. like you need to align yourself with somebody. Yeah, just um, even that thing like that. Instead of going one, two, three, four, it's one, two, four, eight, sixteen. Like to start learning mm-hmm. these compound things. Yeah. So I can know I am addicted. No, no, I agree. That's, that's real. So, all you guys have a business, right? <laughs> so, um, what is some advice that you guys would probably give to your younger self or a younger inspired um, entrepreneur? Um, I guess for me, um, I just knew like if I was gonna have a business, this just my personal purpose. I wanted to be something that I was truly passionate about because I've noticed that the more passion I have behind my business, it doesn't really feel like work, not yeah. to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm doing what I really love doing because I worked in corporate America. I've been the director level, used my master's for something, and literally after that, I have not been happier since I started my own business. Yeah. And um, I think we hear it when you're younger, like, follow your dreams, and you can be anybody that you want to be. However, I think that we really need to like take heed to those conversations because it, it really is true. And if that's what we want to do and be what we want to be and focus on um, what we want to really get out of life and how you want to leave your legacy and be impactful with other people, I think we have to be really intentional with that. Um, I do want to come in like the but the millennials or Gen Zs or whatever, yeah. but they are relentless. And they, you know, like when I was growing up, it's like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna go to school, you're gonna go to college, you're gonna do this, you're gonna go work for this company, you're gonna be there, you're gonna try to do this, and then, you know, you're gonna have a career in whatever. I have so many friends and so many younger, you know, people that are like, you know what? I'd rather learn how to do, um, I want to start my own photography studio and I want to build something that no one's done before. I want to um, host this or I want to be in the creative industry and I'm, I'm really within to music or um, I really am an artist to the point where I like to draw cars and I want to, I want to have my own company where I, you know, like the car business, and you don't realize how successful that you can be and still be passionate at something. So I just think at my younger self, I would have and still would say like, really focus on what it is that you want to be in life. I just think you'll be the most happiest and satisfied. I think to my younger self, it would be, it would be a couple of things. Uh, number one is to read more often. I think definitely should read a lot. I'm, I'm an avid reader in my 20s and 30s, but I look back and I know I, if, if it wasn't, if the teacher didn't tell me to do it, I wasn't going to read it, right? And even then, I was going to skim through it. 
Um, being able to read that and explore where your mind takes you through someone else's experiences, I think. Especially those that come from communities that might not be a lot of money when you're going on vacations and stuff like that to get exposed to things. I think it opens your mind up. And what it's that read, obviously finding a passion. Um, if you're not passionate about something, it's just a matter of time. Life in general is a ebb and flow. And if you're not passionate about something, the minute a storm comes, you're probably going to quit. We spoke about this earlier. You're probably going to quit or figure out why it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? And then I would say become very curious. Like just curious. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously of good things and good things and good things. And I think by doing all that, you will attract people in your life that will now be able to connect with you, right? Mm -hmm. You can have different dialogues about different things, but I do think, it's kind of like that old saying, I used to think growing up that you have to pursue success and pursue and pursue and pursue. And I realized it's like, no, if you just work on yourself, give your gift to the world, mm -hmm. you're gonna attract the people to you. Mm -hmm. The next person who might have the next idea to add to yours or the funding to yours or the support that you need or the media that you need. Yeah. That's just going to come, and I think, if I can do it all over again, I wouldn't change anything, but I would add that at a younger age, because you get it faster. That's real. Yeah. I think for me, the first thing I would say is like, respect your parents, but do you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Respect your people, just do you, you know? Um, because as you get older, you realize like, yo, they can't run your life. They can't control your happiness. They can't control anything, you know? And I think that was that was really important for me because, you know, I mean, as an African kid, it's like doctor, engineer, lawyer. And, you know, if you don't fit within that scope, like music doesn't matter, art doesn't matter, like all these other creative aspects of yourself kind of don't matter sometimes. But those creative things are the things that can take your idea to the next level, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, definitely do you, uh, but do it with respect, yeah. obviously. Um, secondarily, like my brother said, read, yeah. right? Read. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read growing up, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> The secret. Was that oh, yeah, my mom has <laughs> If you, it literally is the yeah. secret to life. Wow. Who's that, who's that by? Um, what's his name? It's actually, you know, it's on Netflix, too. Don't Netflix. It's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, okay. It's a movie. Don't, don't watch yeah, the movie. Yeah, watch the movie. <laughs> watch the movie. The book is better. Then watch the watch the movie. Yeah. Okay. okay, I'm going to watch the movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take it to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and to read, and then, if you have an idea, let's just start, right? Even if you don't know the language, get to the prototype, right? Mm -hmm. Just get to an MVP, something really janky, right? But just, just keep going, yeah. right? And um, I would say this to everybody, like, yeah, I promise you, that party is not better than the party that could be, mm. right? That's, that's a good that, one. That that's party, you know? So, um, I promise you, you grind, you do what you want, next party would be so much better, I promise. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I would do, yeah. You know something else that I noticed that if I was younger, even like in school, like in college, 
you know, I went to school, I did what I was supposed to do, mm -hmm. but I feel like um, now it's really important to develop relationships with people, yeah. connect with people. Yeah. If I would have known a long time ago, like connections are way more important in your relationships with people that you like meet along your journey, they're far more important and um, would help you a lot of times. So. Agreed. Matt, piggyback off that. So. Yeah, go that was the aha moment. I, mean, I was fortunate I played sports, so my education was paid for. But when I got into the financial world, I, I do a lot of 529 plans for clients where I see how much the university costs. I, I never knew because mm -hmm. just, I just signed my name on the contract and you go to school. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> but it's one of those conversations you start having with parents where you say, a degree is a degree to an extent. Right? There's so many other qualifications that are beyond just getting a degree. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to use that hard-earned money to do something, mm -hmm. even besides of what field you're going to get into, you're paying for the network. Yes. Yep. Yes. So if you are yeah. someone who likes tech, really the Georgia Tech price tag is because now you're in a room with future yes. individuals that yeah. have sold, or, yes. pre, yeah. or present individuals that have sold companies from their dorm room Mm -hmm. It made 200 and something million dollars or 30 million dollars and so you have to kind of look at that and see it for what it is and to each its own but to say okay am I going to pay this money I'm going to pay this money regardless if you do is it better to add another zero or another 5,000 or 10,000 and now like, I'm going to get a degree yeah. from this network yes. and I know there's a lot of CEOs coming out of there there's a certain space that when I say oh I graduated from tech or when I graduated from Georgia State or whatever, University Morehouse. Mm -hmm. There's all these different things that just have a different name to it yeah. with that network. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's what the part of when she was saying is capital relationships yeah. is what, that's, that's not tangible, but that relationship can open up so many doors mm -hmm. uh, for you with just a phone call where yeah. you're not even sending your resume to anybody. Right. You're just exactly. showing up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that about college. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, school is not for me. School is not for me. Okay, that's great. No, but to be honest, I don't think school is really, it's not about, oh, well, I finished and I, I aced this test and I've done this and blah, blah, blah. I think school is really about teaching you life lessons about relationships. It's also teaching you a lesson about identifying who you are as a person. You're not living in your house anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of times when I talk to some of the high school kids and they're excited to go to school because they're like, oh, I get to be on my own and blah, blah, blah. But a lot, of time, a lot of times people don't prepare them that you may go through an identity crisis because you've been living under a roof and your parents have been telling you this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. But then when you get out there, you're like, all right, socially, which group of friends am I going to be around? Yeah. Who am I going to be? Yeah. And it's important to develop those relationships and like you said like if you're into tech like boom there there you have it you know um so yeah i just think college is really more about like getting through it it's a challenge to get through it not necessarily the work because yeah the work will be there but i do think part of the part we were saying this but still respecting but do you is that there has to be a shift in your world where you realize you're an adult when you become the educator of your parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to, like, you have, because they're coming from a generation they were educated mm -hmm. from, so that we only know what we know, mm -hmm. right? And my, my wife is foreign, so I get it, as in, dad's a doctor, but, I mean, dad's an engineer, brother's an engineer, it's like, these are the categories you go into. Yeah. 
But there comes a time in life where if you are being successful and you have the passion and the drive and you're producing in those realms, I do think parents would listen. Yeah. Now it's a matter of can you educate them yeah. in a way yeah. to, to learn these things because that wasn't maybe their yeah, environment that they came from from the generation before. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't about networking. It literally was about you go get this job, you're going to have a job for the next 30 years of your life, you'll have a pension. Like, but life has changed since then. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they're not going to keep up with that. They just know it worked for them. Yeah, exactly. So it's up, it's up to us yeah. to teach the new space. I mean, yeah. I got a brother-in-law who is very, very successful gaming. I mean, you know, he makes over a million dollars playing video games. That you know that the gaming industry yeah, it's is becoming <laughs> so. But you know, parents probably told the kids turn that game off yes. because in their generation that didn't do anything for you. Yeah. You have to go to educate and say, no, look, Chipotle is sponsoring him. Dr. Pepper is sponsoring him. Yeah, that's crazy. Samsung is sponsoring him, mm -hmm. and if you can articulate yourself and show, but you're you're not you're not just floating, right? You're producing. Mm -hmm. And you're passionate about what you're doing, and you're able to educate your parents. And all of a sudden, in, in, the, in the family, they're Middle Eastern, and they let them go try it out. And I'm sure they're probably telling the next generation, "You guys go play those games." <laughs> I helped me with basketball. My dad didn't believe in it. This yeah. whole basketball thing. What do you mean you're working on your game? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I started working at age of 12. I walked away at 17 from Walmart, and I said. I gotta go work on my game. <laughs> my dad choked me out because I came home. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm just being very transparent. Mm -hmm. And I had to stand up to him eye to eye in a respectful manner, but I think he, he saw it in the eye that, no, I'm dead serious. But truth be told, he started seeing the letters coming in and yeah. started seeing the results in my body build and stuff like that. To the point I had an older brother, but then had younger, we had younger siblings that were seven, eight years younger. Yeah. By the time I got my scholarship, all of a sudden he was telling them, you guys need to go work on your game. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't work at all. They were in the gym. Because he wanted a scholarship for them to get out of here. Like, yeah. You can go better your life if you're good at something. Like, the yeah. people will come. And next you know, here came my younger brother playing college basketball. Here came my younger sister playing college basketball. So it's it's... So aha moments, yeah, but you gotta, really? but you can't be one of those just talkers yeah, because that's what everybody's doing. You gotta really know, like, hey, no, this is in me. Yeah. I, I've taken time to assess who I am. It's who I am in this season. Yeah, it may not be it's gonna be forever, but yeah. in this season in my life, like this is where I'm at. And I think if you show those traits of discipline, focus, ambition, um, belief, <clears throat> I do think parents, good parents at least, they. They're gonna know their kid and know they can look it in the eyes and know like, hey, this kid is serious about what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you again for coming and sitting down with us on Black Lives Matter. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Love conversation.